What is going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Hit that like button for me. Subscribe. Do all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Share this out. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate you guys. We have a big announcement coming on Monday's Boys in the Big Apple podcast. Thinking of doing a hype video for it because it is so big. We're doing things like a lot of people haven't done before, like we haven't done before, and we're continuing to grow because of you guys, and we're continuing to do things, just great things, um, and just for the growth of this channel and for the better content that you guys uh, will receive. So we're making big strides heading into 2024. I know we won't reach 2K subscribers, but trust me, we'll be there eventually, and we could be there, of course, with your help, and uh, we're working on a lot of different things. But again, Monday, big announcement on the Boys Big Apple podcast on YouTube. With that being said, we have another game preview. Later on, we uh, caught up with Jeff Macalino, who was on our YouTube channel for the AL East Roundtable. He's a Rays fan, but he's also a Saints fan. So I decided to catch up with him and really pick his brain about this New Orleans Saints team. But the New York Giants are in a win-win situation, in my opinion, as far as this week goes. Um, If they win this game, there's a lot of playoff implications and if they lose this game, that's better for the draft pick. But, of course, each scenario has their given, oh, you've got to root for this team, this team has to win this game, this team has to win this game. Both scenarios have that, so the Giants will be depending on a couple of different teams. I don't have those teams right now. I know one of the biggest competitors in threats to our wildcard spot is the Los Angeles Rams. But, again, as we go along, we'll go more into the status of the playoff picture and all that sort of good stuff. But the New York Giants do have some guys coming back for this week uh, going against New Orleans. Some positive signs, some negative signs, whatever you want to call it, right? So um, let's talk the injury report. Justin Pugh was questionable with a calf injury. He was put on the injury report late. Hopefully he's good to go unless um, something – I think he's going to play. I think he's going to play. If he doesn't play, I'd be shocked. I'd probably move Bredesen over to left guard and Glowinski over right, and that would probably be like the similar scenario we saw earlier in the season just with you know, Tyree Phillips at right tackle now compared to Evan Neal. Evan Neal is doubtful for this game. Then you got Dexter Lawrence, who's questionable with a hamstring injury. I think he's going to play. He played very good uh, in limited snaps against the Green Bay Packers. I think he's going to do the same against the New Orleans Saints. And then finally, uh, Darren Waller, hamstring injury, he is questionable, and he says he's going to play. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what limitations they have for him on Sunday. But he could be a big piece down the stretch, depending on what the Giants, um, you know, what their status is, again. Because, you know, we could talk about, oh, yeah, Tommy DeVito throwing to Darren Waller, and that could be good for a playoff spot. Or, you know, it doesn't really mean anything because the Giants are out of the playoffs, and Tommy DeVito's not going to be the starting quarterback next year. There's a lot of scenarios intertwined. But that is big for the Giants, nonetheless, that they would get a guy like Darren Waller back. And even if he's not back this week, he comes back on Christmas against the Philadelphia Eagles, which I'm scared shitless for that game. But we'll get to that game when we get to that game. We got to verse New Orleans first away. And they have a couple of injuries lingering. Uh, Peyton Turner is out with a toe injury. Jamal Williams, he's questionable. Ryan Ramchek, he is questionable. Both were limited in practice during the week, so I would expect them to play. 
Um, let's see what else we got on here. We got Chris Olave, who did not play, uh, did not practice during the week. He is listed currently as questionable with an ankle injury. So if he's out, it's going to be a tough day for this New Orleans offense. Uh, Kendra Miller, he is out. And then Isaiah Foskey, he is out with a quad injury. So that running back room seems a little bit shaken up in terms of injuries. Kendra Miller, the draft pick out of TCU, and then Jamal Williams questionable. But obviously Alvin Kamara will be leading the way. Um, 2023 team stats, let's go into that. So the New York Giants, they're 31st until yards per game. So they're not the worst offense in the NFL. The Jets are, but that's not really anything too much to brag about. In the passing game, they are 32nd, 14th in the running game, and 31st in points per game. Defensively, they are 26th in total yards, 18th against the pass, 29th against the run, and 25th in points per game. 26th in pass percentage, 7th in run percentage, 27th in pass percentage on first down, 14th in run percentage on first down, 2nd in blitz percentage, 18th in pressure percentage, and 29th in sacks. As for the New Orleans Saints, they differ in a couple of different areas um, in terms of comparing with the New York Giants, and they also are very similar in a couple of different areas with the New York Giants. So total yards, they're 13th, 14th in passing offense, 20th in rushing offense, 15th in points per game. So that's how they differ. How some similarities will come in, we'll get into that. 13th in total yards per game, 7th against the pass, even with Marshawn Lattimore out. 27th against the run, which ranks similarly to the New York Giants, who rank 29th. And 10th, uh, that's where they rank in terms of giving up points per game. In terms of analytics, 16th in pass percentage, 17th in run percentage, 17th in pass percentage on first down, 14th in run percentage on first down, 17th in blitz percentage. They don't blitz a lot under Dennis Allen and his scheme. 25th in pressure percentage and 30th in sacks. So really those two last ones combine to be alike with the Giants that, you know, there's not a consistent pass rush. And the Giants have been up and down in terms of that, right? You know, obviously against their rivals, well, really more of the Dallas Cowboys, they couldn't get anything going. Same thing with the Cardinals and the Niners. Uh, but games against Washington, games against Green Bay, games against the Jets, they were able to thrive it up a little bit, but... Uh, just seems like on a consistent level, the New Orleans Saints, on another hand, uh, they really can't get to the pass. And I think a lot of that is personnel-based. Now you move to things to look for. I'm going to talk about the Giants' offense first. I'm looking for a ground-and-pound type day. Now, will they give Saquon the ball 100 times or 25 times for a better picture? Uh, maybe, maybe not. They might give it to Breed a little bit. But um, there's a lot of things that combine into this theory that I have is the Saints are the third best team in the NFL in terms of intercepting the football. Tommy DeVito has had zero turnovers in the last, I want to say three games, right? So you got Packers, you got Pats, you got Commanders. Those three games, right? Giants are on three-game winning streak, which hasn't happened since last year. But nonetheless, um, you want to keep him away from turning over the ball. And these guys in the secondary... They're not Marshawn Lattimore caliber, though you could have a serious argument for Paulson Adebo as a pro bowler. Isaac Yadam's having a hell of a year, former Giant. Um, these guys tip passes. They're like one of the top teams in the NFL in terms of batted passes. So when DeVito slings it, he's got to sling it with precision. He's got to sling it well and with accuracy too. 
Um, you can't have some of those throws you had against the Packers early, or else you're going to get trapped late, depending on what the Saints do on offense, of course. But also as well, they really can't set the edge, the New Orleans Saints. Cam Jordan, he's dealing with an injury right now, and he's going to play, but he's only in a lot of the times on running downs because he's one of the guys that consistently sets the edge. Otherwise, Carl Granderson, Tano Capasano, if I'm butchering that, I apologize. Kalen Saunders, Nathan Shepard, those guys really don't play the run very well. And this could be a game where Saquon goes off, and then you could also feed it to a guy like Matt Breed or give Eric Gray some carries. And then also, like I don't think they'll repeat last game's game plan of Tommy DeVito. He's just escaping from the pocket, running for 71 yards. I don't think that's going to happen, but New Orleans does struggle against that. And that's also, again, design QB runs. I think you could see some QB option, but it all depends on how the offense shakes out. If it's very one-sided and New Orleans starts to key in on the run, you probably won't see it. But if they start to get little things going on offense, the dink and dunks, all these different things, getting first downs, moving the chains, then you will see some design QB runs in there. As for the defense of the New York Giants, this is a very vanilla offense. Um, they don't really like to run the creative stuff. Carmichael is more of a laid-back, uh, older offensive coordinator who worked under Sean Payton and in the Drew Brees era. He doesn't do a lot of creative stuff. And one of the things is that their offensive line isn't very good. Derek Carr is, I think, a good quarterback, but when he's under pressure, he tends to make some stupid decisions or just throw it inaccurately which could lead to turnovers. And the Giants have done that very, very well this season. You saw that with Sam Howell. You saw that with Jordan Love. You saw that with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. The Giants can affect the comfortability of the quarterback. And this is not a Dallas offensive line. This is not an Eagles offensive line. This is a very poor offensive line, like probably bottom 10 in the league. So I would say that Wink Martindale... He could probably blitz a little bit heavier than last game because, you know, we could all say different things about the uh, offensive line for the Packers, but they did a decent job. Um, yeah, they were facing an injured Dexter Lawrence, Aziz Ojolari, and Kayvon Thibodeau, but they held up decent for the most part. But there were times where Jordan Love was affected, hence the Jason Pinnock interception and all these other different things. And he also made some very good throws from the pocket um, when he was being pressured. I don't know if Derek Carr is going to do the same thing. So, let's go to players to watch. Derek Carr is obviously in there. Um, this season, 13 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, 25 sacks taken, 221.5 yards per game, which isn't very good, 6.9 yards per throw, 2,880 yards, a completion percentage of 66.4, which is probably the best stat that he has. Uh, the touchdowns, depressing. Interceptions, eh, you know, obviously he doesn't play in a, a perfect amount of games but his you know um game ratio to touchdown ratio is one to one 13 games 13 touchdowns you would like Derek Carr to play a little bit better and I get it you know the offense is stale and the offensive line isn't great and some receivers have been in and out of the lineup but Derek Carr uh was paid as a difference maker that's just my personal opinion now you look at the rushing game and this is a, a unit that's really struggled the running back room um Alvin Kamara had some you know, they had the suspension. Uh, right now, Kendry Miller's hurt. Jamal Jamal Williams is questionable. Their only boost really seems to be 
uh, Taysom Hill. Obviously, Kamara has had five touchdowns on the year. You really can't ignore that. But 3.9 yards per carry, 564 yards, that just seems underwhelming for Alvin Kamara, even with the suspension, because it seems like older Kamara, like a few years ago Kamara, could probably break that into the 800, 900, maybe even 1,000 range. But, you know, there's just a lot of turmoil on offense with the Saints. But again, Taysom Hill will be a player to watch. Um, this season, he's thrown for one touchdown, 72 yards, 5 of 8. In the rushing game, he's got 70 carries, so he's got more carries than Jamal Williams. 346 yards and 4 touchdowns, so the Giants will need to watch a lot of Taysom Hill. And they've been burnt by him before. In 2018, they were burnt on special teams. Uh, in 2021, they were burnt a few times in the running game by him. So, again, Wink Martindale... Really has to key in on Taysom Hill, especially if Chris Olave's not playing, and he's the next player we're going to focus on. Four touchdowns this season, uh, 918 yards, so he's about 82 yards away from that 1K mark, 72 receptions. Behind him is a really good uh, speedy guy in Rashid Shahid. Three touchdowns, 534 yards, 33 receptions. And then Kamara, he's been more featured out of the backfield because they really haven't gotten anything going on the ground, but he's also a really good receiving back. One touchdown, 402 yards, total of 63 receptions. Then Taysom Hill factors in along with the tight ends, uh, Juwan Johnson, Foster Moreau, and then A.T. Perry behind. Talking about the offensive line, if you look at the statistics, right, they are bottom 10 in allowed sacks, which is a good thing, like with the Chiefs and all these other different teams. I think they've given up 25 or 28 sacks this season, but the individual play of the O-line hasn't been great. I mean, they haven't run blocked well. Uh, Andres Pete, two sacks, four penalties. James Hurst, three sacks, two penalties. Eric McCoy, seven penalties, four sacks. Two penalties, five sacks allowed by Cesar Ruiz, who Jeff will touch on in the second half of the show. And then four sacks, four penalties for Ryan Ramchek. You move over to the defensive side of the ball. The lead sacker is not Cam Jordan. It's actually Carl Granderson, who just got a big fat payday. 62 tackles, six and a half sacks. 11 TFLs, 17 quarterback hits, 22 quarterback pressures. You go to Cam Jordan, 38 tackles, 2.5 sacks, 3 tackles for loss, 14 quarterback hits, uh, 17 QB pressures. And then you move to the linebacker core. You move to Demario Davis, who is still a really good linebacker. Um, he's not fit for covering tight ends, but he is a very good linebacker at that. He's a good Mike backer, kind of like a Blake Martinez type. I think he's better than like Martinez ever was uh three quarterback hits seven TFLs forced fumble he's got more sacks than Cam Jordan at five and a half 14 quarterback hits 92 tackles um and yeah that seems to be his year for pass deflections and a forced fumble as well you move into the secondary where you have Paulson Adebo who's had a fabulous year he has four interceptions no touchdowns allowed compared to last season which wasn't very good for him uh, 54 passer rating, 479 yards. Really good. Really good from Paulson Adebo coming out of Stanford a few years ago. Uh, also, 14 pass deflections and two forced fumbles. Again, something that you'll see with this team reoccurring is that they like to put their hands on the football, uh, especially in the secondary. Isaac Yadam uh, with New Orleans. He's been very good. Again, 42.3 completion percentage allowed, one INT, two touchdowns allowed, but a passer rating the lowest of his career at 64.1, lower than his years with the Giants and lower than his years with uh, Houston and Green Bay and Denver too because that was the team that drafted him. So he's having a career year. Um, I would like to think that you know if he's on a one-year contract or 
he's got one year after this year that they would probably extend them because he's played really well. And even if, you know, Marshawn Lattimore comes back and it's all great again, uh, you know, Yadam is a guy that you'd want to keep on your roster. Um, then you move to Tyron Matthew, who's still playing at a solid level. He's got three interceptions on the season, three touchdowns allowed, so that kind of cancels out. 68.9 passer rating, 52.5 completion percentage, 281 yards. Before we go into top matchups, we got to talk about SeatGeek. Uh, SeatGeek is your one-stop shop for concert tickets, tailgate tickets, and game tickets. Get $20 off your entire order with the promo code BIGBLUE in the Bronx. That's Big Blue in the Bronx. The name of the podcast, nothing abbreviated, nothing spaced out. Just Big Blue in the Bronx right away. $20 off your entire order. So we go to top matchups. We look at the pass rush of the Giants. Kayvon Thibodeau versus Andres Pete and or Ryan Ramchek and Aziz Ojolari versus Andres Pete or Ryan Ramchek. Now, Ojolari kind of surprised me last week. He had a solid game, half a sack, a couple of pressures, a couple of stops at the line. I'm kind of looking for that this week out of Ojolari. You know, I feel like, you know, his game against Justin Fields last year could be replicated in this game because it's a similar offensive line. And I feel like Derek Carr is easily rattled when pressure is coming at him. And Ojolari, I would probably put him up against Andres Pete. He did face the left tackle a few times. Yoshinaiman and Rashid Walker against the Packers. So you probably put a favorable matchup there. They'll probably rotate each other. But uh, Kayvon Thibodeau as well against uh, Ryan Ramchek, who's one of the top tackles in the league. Uh, top right tackles for sure behind Lane Johnson and a couple others you can name. But Ramchek is one of the top tackles and Kayvon Thibodeau. Can he keep this consistency going? of playing really well. And I think he can. I think he can. I got all the confidence in the world in him. Uh, Chris Olave versus Deontay Banks. Now, he's probably not going to play most of the time against Olave, but I think at some point the Giants have to kind of stick into Deontay Banks as a corner one. I, I know you don't want to really give off the the thing right away. Hey, you know, we're, we're not going to have bring back a Dory next season, but Deontay Banks was drafted 24th. Overall, you kind of want to slot him in that role as a corner one and see how he plays against Olave. I know he's gotten cooked against number one receivers, but you know maybe shade some safety help. It's not going to get any better for him in the NFL, but he's played well over the last few weeks, I have to say. Um, Jalen Hyatt versus Isaac Yadam or any other receiver. Like I don't think it's going to be about Sterling Shepard. Uh, you could say Wandale. But it would be mostly not vertical, but just a horizontal stretch of the field. And Darius Slayton, I think Darius Slayton could also take advantage as well. Though he wasn't necessarily too much involved last game. It was more of Isaiah Hodgins. And then the offensive line. I think this should honestly be a good game for the offensive line. Um, they had a very good, good game last game against the Green Bay Packers. Two quarterback hits allowed. No sacks at all. The running game wasn't great, but this should be a game, in my opinion, where you see a stepping stone. Now, this isn't going to be the unit that they bring back next year. Thomas will stay. JMS will stay. The other guys are just, we'll see, man. But this should be a game where they dominate kind of both sides of the ball and control this game because they don't play the run well. That's A. B, they don't really have a pass rush, right? They're kind of where we are uh, on you know, the stat chart of sacks, they rank 30th. I don't see why the Giants should have any trouble defending these guys. I mean, Cam Jordan is Cam Jordan. But again, does he, is he really going to be playing on pass rushing downs? Carl Granderson, I'll give you that one. But 
Justin Pugh and JMS versus Kalen Saunders and Nathan Shepard. I mean, Shepard was a former failed draft pick of the Jets. Kalen Saunders, like, he's not a not a pass rusher. So um, I'm going to say, again, the Giants have to win the matchup in the trenches. Really both ways, to be honest. I know that contributes to uh, the winner of the game always, but especially this game. You know, it's an important game. The Giants are trying to make this playoff run, quote-unquote. But uh, keys to win. I got three of them. One is the same from last week, but is very important for a specific reason. Uh, I'm going to go with ground and pound. Um, Saquon Barkley, you know, I think he is the X factor for the Giants on the ground. And just the running game in general and also starts up, you know, up front. Because if the guys aren't moving guys, then you're not going to have anything. And Saquon Barkley, it's just been a tale of one or two runs the last few weeks. Oh, yeah, you know, if it wasn't for that run, he would have like 2.7 yards per carry. That was the situation against the Green Bay Packers. Um, obviously, he made that one mistake fumbling it, but that's not really what I'm taking into account right here. I'm taking controlling the trenches, controlling the time of possession. These are two very bad offenses. The Saints are a little bit better with offense in terms of execution, but again, we'll see what happens. But ground and pound is my number one. Take advantage of the fact that they don't play the run very well. Number two, pressure Derek Carr. Uh, obviously, the Giants defense has been the star of the team the last few weeks. It's not been special teams of the offense. Derek Carr has been pressured a shit ton. He's still dealing with injuries. I believe two rib injuries and something else going in there. I'm not saying injure him. I'm not saying that. I'm not advocating for that. But what I'm saying is pressure the shit out of him so he makes bad throws and he doesn't want to get hit. Kayvon, Dex, Aziz, Blitzes, Jason Pinnock maybe, or Xavier McKinney coming off the edge. I would love to see it. I would love to see Dane Belton blitz too because I feel like he should be getting more playing time as we go down. Um, but obviously they know, they know more than I do. Number three, don't turn it over. I would regularly go on to something else for number three, two days, two games in a row. But again, this New Orleans Saints team, top team in pass defenses, top team in interceptions. You cannot make stupid mistakes in the air against New Orleans or it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. But Score prediction, I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think both defenses will turn up to the occasion. Um, I personally think that the New Orleans Saints are going to win this one. Kind of ending the Giants' playoff hopes because beating Philly is a tall task in itself. And it's a one-game-by-one-game process, but it all starts in New Orleans, and I just don't think the Giants are going to be able to pull this game out. against a very tough New Orleans defense. And I just think the the trend of uh, DeVito and somewhat of a manageable offense with a very good defense, I think it ends here. Um, not to say that they won't play well against the Rams or maybe against the Eagles, but again, you know, this is essentially, it, it's like, it's like a, it, scavenger hunt is not necessarily the way I want to put it, but it's uh, an escape room thing. You have to figure out the code to unlock other passages, other missions. And if the Giants don't unlock the door that opens to, you know, potential playoff chances against the Eagles and against the Rams, you know, if they don't win this game, then, you know, we're not talking about the playoffs anymore. Like, I'm not even talking about the playoffs right now in terms of being realistic. I don't think the Giants are going to make the playoffs, but if they win this game, the chance goes up. But... Let's send it over to the discussion with Jeff Macalino. He is a Saints fan, but also contributes to Florida teams and runs his own podcast. Let's send it over. 
All right, so the New York Giants play the New Orleans Saints this week in New Orleans, and as usual, we like to get the opponent's perspective. And, of course, we have once again welcomed on Jeff Macalino. You guys can follow him on Twitter at the following Twitter handle, St. J. Mac. He's a podcaster. Uh, he's also a contributor at Florida Teams. He does a lot of other different things as well. Um, Jeff, welcome on once again. I know we uh, – Actually, we're on the same panel for the, uh, I think it was the round table that we did for the AL East because yep. you're a Rays fan, but um, now it's it's turning over to the football thing. What are your th- opening thoughts on the way the Saints season has gone? Because I think personally, from an outsider perspective, it was a disappointment considering the fact that you got Derek Carr and a lot of uh, optimism at the beginning of the season. Now, what's the story? Uh, yeah, disappointment's a great way to sum it up. Uh, you know, it, the NFC South is a very weak division. Um, now, granted, the three teams are basically right there in the thick of the NFC wildcard race with every other team in the NFC, except for the Panthers and the Cardinals. But, uh, you know, the Saints were supposed to be the class of this division. And, and frankly, if you look at the rosters, they have the most talent on their team by far than any other team in the NFC South. Uh, Derek Carr was supposed to push them to levels above where Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston had them last year. Uh, and uh, frankly, I think Andy Dalton may have them another win or two higher than where Derek Carr has them this season. Um but no, I, I think I think there's a, a problem. Uh, there's a virus inside of the Saints culture, which uh, Dennis Allen is responsible for. And, and look, six and seven, given the schedule the Saints have had, is extremely disappointing. They should not be tied with the Falcons and Bucks right now. They and 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 the biggest problem I have is. They've lost a lot of close games that they should have won. They should have beat the Jaguars, should have beat the Lions, they should have beat the Packers. Yeah. Then they'd be 9 and 4. That would be a great record. That would be fine. But they don't. Should-haves don't equal wins in the NFL. And I'm sick of the should-haves with the Saints, especially if you followed back the last like 6 years in the playoffs uh prior to Dennis Allen being the head coach. So this has been a massively disappointing season uh, that the Saints, you know, we didn't have Super Bowl expectations, but we had expectations that we should relatively easily win the NFC South. And that right now is looking like a hurdle we're probably not going to clear. Briefly mentioned it earlier, Derek Carr was brought in and seems like he's not living up to the hype for a lot of other different reasons. What was your reaction to when they got him compared to now where the season's, you know, in a mediocre, uh, it's in a mediocre stage, if you will. I thought he would uh, add the level of play to this team leadership. Uh, Look down the, he's got a good arm. Like, you know, it's not like his arm talent is in question, although maybe his accuracy is a a bit more in question than prior to signing him. Uh, But, you know, it's 
definitely thought that the team would take bigger leaps with Derek Carr in the passing game. Now, I I do I do very much think that part of this is that Sean Payton's offensive coordinator, who never called plays or frankly coordinated the offense, uh, Pete Carmichael. I didn't realize that he was basically stuck in 2005 as far as offense goes. It took him being bullied by the New Orleans media to implement motion into the Saints offense. The Saints are one of the bottom three teams in the league in play action, which is highly effective. They just don't do it because they don't seem to understand that that's a thing that that works. Uh, so I do give Derek Carr a slight pass in some of these things because the coaching is basically like he's playing in the 1940s, effectively. Um, but he also does not have the short arm accurate, you know, the, the short accuracy. He also is a very tough guy, but buckles under pressure throwing the ball. He can take a hit. But don't expect him to throw a pass anywhere remotely accurate if someone's close to hitting him. Uh, so we underestimated his abilities quite a bit. Maybe his age. Yeah, definitely. Um, going back to the head coach, you talked a little bit about Pete Carmichael, which we'll definitely get into. But Dennis Allen is his second shot, I believe, at being a head coach in the NFL. Took over for Sean Payton, was previously with the Raiders a few years ago. How has he coached this team? Because, again, just like the whole entire same season, it just feels like a disappointment. Yeah. Well, you know, even going back to Sean Payton's years, the Saints had a, a choke gene in their dna i'm very much about the the dna of a of a football team program whether it's college or professional for instance the buffalo bills we all know if their defense is on the field late in the game unless the offense decides to you know Kadarius tony it that the bills defense is going to choke it's just what they do the Saints' whole team has that choke DNA in them. Whether, no matter what side of the ball, uh, Drew Brees led so many under two minute comebacks that the defense blew with less than a minute. It was record breaking, actually, if you look at it. And that has not left the Saints. Uh, and Dennis Allen was the defensive coordinator for a long time for <laughs> Sean Payton while that was happening. Um, I feel like that's infected the whole team offense and defense they they don't know how to win games uh come crunch time i think that's that's just offense defense special teams no matter how much how well they play during the game i feel like they feel like they're going to lose the game when push comes to shove at the end of the game and i think that matters a lot i i, I really do i mean I, I'm kind of an analytics guy, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, no, this clearly matters when teams expect to lose. They're going to lose. The Bills' defense, they're always going to lose. The Saints, offense or defense, they're going to lose close games. It's just what they do. And uh, Dennis Allen has the 
I, I think he stepped it up uh, from when he took over from Sean Payton because he has a very conservative offensive philosophy. He's a defensive coach. But I think his offensive philosophy is we'll let our defense win the game. And look, the Saints last year uh, should have won 11 games easily. They won seven. Why? Because they played back. They didn't want to use their offense to try to aggressively score. They played back and let their defense defend. And the defense gave it up at the end of the game. And, and I feel like that's his philosophy is he trusts his defense more than it should, more than he should. And the defense is very good, very talented uh, this year, less than last year, frankly. Uh, but no, I, I think he's just got a, a fundamental disconnect as far as coaching. Uh, and, and look, the aggressiveness in the NFL that it takes to win as a head coach is a lot different than any other coaching at any level of any sport. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned a lot of key cogs about the offense. Um, you know, they've been one of the worst in football. The running game especially has been bad. We'll touch on that. You mentioned Pete Carmichael is, is acting like his offense is still in the 2005 era. Has he been the main thing of what's been wrong with the offense? I mean, I know Derek Carr's had some – uh, underwhelming moments, but it also seems like, and I looked at the stats, I looked at a couple of O-line rankings, but I also looked at how many sacks compared to the rest of the NFL that the Saints have taken. They were like, you know, bottom 10, which technically is a good thing. So has it been the offensive line? Has it been Carmichael as the head of it? What's the story there? It's a combo of everything. Um, the, the offensive line has been it's been an anomaly. Like the first three weeks of the season, the Saints pass protection was garbage. Then it got better. After Derek Carr got hurt in week three, and frankly, a lot of people thought he was going to be gone for the season after the hit he took in Green Bay. Uh, he comes back. The offensive line's better. Uh, last week against Carolina, was maybe the worst outing the Saints offensive lines had in pass protection all year. Run blocking, they were also terrible in the beginning of the year. They got better when Alvin Kamara came off suspension. Go figure. And uh, they've started to slump recently as well. Now, this past week, uh, they were pretty good at the start of the game, and Pete Carmichael kind of gave up on the running game for no no good reason, frankly. Like, it, it, it just, it doesn't, the Saints offense is so discombobulated and disjointed, it makes no sense. Whatever's working for them. For example, Taysom Hill, who missed last week, uh, will be back this week. A lot of people would say he was the MVP of this team. Uh, you know, if you asked him before last week's game. And some games he'll get seven, eight, 10, 12 carries. And some games he'll get one or two. It just, they're, they don't have a philosophy on offense. Their offensive line 
it goes it goes way deeper than this season. I I think they draft first round picks who they then look for a little spark and then throw everything at them to keep them, and they're not that good. Caesar Ruiz is a good example. Andrus Pete, who's actually maybe having his best year ever, even though he's made a couple Pro Bowls as a left guard. He he got kicked over to left tackle. Um. Yeah, it's just they're disjoint. Week to week, you can't predict what the Saints are going to do on offense, but it's never going to be good. (laughs) It's never going to be smart. It's just always very retro, (laughs) meaning not a lot of motion, not a lot of play action. And uh, they don't tend to stick with what works because – Let's face it, if they did, Taysom Hill would be the starting quarterback and they'd be getting five yards of play every play, just figuring it out with that guy. <laughs> yeah. It seems like it seems like he's a little bit of an X factor uh when he's when he's on the field. I mean, he is, you know, a obviously a changing type player to where the defense obviously has to, you know, monitor him. Is he gonna throw the ball? Is he gonna run the ball? Is he gonna motion out? You know, he's been like that obviously since he's came into the NFL and really came with the Saints. Now Talking about receiving a little bit, rate the patience level with Michael Thomas, in maybe for you or in the Saints fan base, because it feels like at this moment that a lot of Saint fans or just the general perception is they're waiting for him just just to leave and never come back. Yeah, look, this guy's first few years, you know, were were probably. From 2016 to 2019, he's Jerry Rice. He's the best receiver ever to play. Um, 2020, I've got sympathy for him because he had an injury. He came back. He went on IR to, to rest up, to give it one last run for Drew Brees, and he screwed himself out of the 2021 season. Then he didn't rehab right and didn't communicate with the team and had to have another surgery because his surgery didn't work. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I love the dude's competitiveness. He, he's, he, he has that nasty, angry, competitive Michael Jordan gene inside of him, but. Uh, this year, even I, I just don't think he wants to be on the field. I, I think I don't think his injury is that bad. I don't think he wants to be on the field at this point. And uh, I think we're looking at a guy who could have been one of the all-time greats. And yeah, he he suffered injuries that were outside of his control. And he tried to come back too quickly, which I think actually hurt him long term. Uh, but literally, you look at his 2016 to 2019 statistics, this dude could have, would have been one of the greatest, if not the greatest wide receiver to ever play football. And uh, I don't even know, you know, when he left the game a few weeks ago against the Vikings with a knee injury, he was on the sidelines jumping up and down, running up and down the field. And everyone said, oh, he's okay. It's not a big thing. Now the whole story is, ah, he might be back the last week of the season. Nah, 
I, I don't buy it. I, I don't think he wants to play. He's he's sitting at home tweeting nasty things about Derek Carr. By the way, the guy who said he came to the Saints because Michael Thomas was texting him constantly. Doesn't play well to me. You know, he, I don't know. He He's, as, ah, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm saying nasty things about my girlfriend, but, but that's how Michael Thomas is. He's like a crazy girlfriend that you're like, no, I don't want to let her go, but God dang it. She's crazy as hell. And I don't know what to do with her. I definitely know that feeling. And then switching to another wide receiver. <laughs> Chris Olave didn't practice all week. He's listed as questionable. Do you think he's going to play? And if he doesn't play, how hurtful is that for the Saints offense? It's extremely bad for the Saints offense if Olave doesn't play. And right, he hasn't practiced all week. So I historically, that's not a good trend. But he is so important to the Saints offense. He, he really is one of the best route runners in football. He gets separation. Uh, he's not a tough guy, though. <laughs> he's, a, he's a very skinny guy. He, he doesn't do well with taking hits, doesn't do well going to the ground with the football. Um, I think he'll do everything in his power to play, and if he is – not at risk of significantly injuring himself further. The Saints will play him. Um, but it does a big damage, especially with Michael Thomas out of the game. Because now Rashid Shahid is coming back. Rashid Shahid is the second fastest guy in football to Tyreek Hill from the yawns, whatever, whatever the thing that tracks the player's speeds. But he's not the route runner that Olave is. So he, he'll he run great straight lines, but Olave brings a lot to the Saints offense with what he can do. So no, it's a, a big thing if Olave is playing or not, frankly, in this game. Yeah, definitely. And moving over to the defense a little bit, specifically the secondary, Marshawn Lattimore currently hurt. Uh, Paulson Adebo and former giant Isaac Yadam have taken over in the secondary. How do you think they have performed? Uh, Paulson Adebo is a Pro Bowl player. <laughs> I mean, he 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 has played amazing this season for the Saints. And by the way, Yadam, I don't know how the hell he has slipped through. The way he has played for the Saints, he has been phenomenal. Like, he's top 10 in pass breakups in the league. And he's only started, I think, four or five games because uh, Adebo was hurt earlier in the year and he started for him a couple times. Um, Lattimore, obviously, is an elite corner who has, you know, top end everything. But Yadam has played unbelievably well. And... uh made plays on the ball. Um, He's given up a couple of things, but for what he's done, uh, I've been stunned, frankly, at at Yadam playing, playing corner from week two to, to now. Like it is unbelievable. The Saints secondary has, has really been one of the units 
this might spoil the next topic you're going to talk about with the Saints defense. Saints secondary has been one of the units that could have been historically great if the Saints had any pass rush on the front end. Like, it's Matthews, Tyrone Matthews playing great. Marcus Mays out, but Jordan Howden, the, the rookie, is playing pretty well in his stead. Okay, pretty well. Not, not the greatest. Yadam has been playing tremendous anytime he's taken the field. Alante Taylor's in the slot, uh, the nickelback. Paulson Adebo should go to the Pro Bowl. He has been a, a just dominant cornerback. And Marshawn Lattimore, when he's on the field, has was also dominant uh he allegedly maybe i don't think he's likely to be back this year for the saints yeah i guess i could touch on the pass rush a little bit because i was looking at the the depth chart and i was looking at the injuries too because i know peyton turner's out isaiah foskey's out um so right now it lines up as carl granderson obviously cam jordan who's been there a number of years and it's just like who's after that um you know, Kalen Saunders, who I know a little bit about. I know Nathan Shepard was a Jet for a while, and the Jets were like, eh, you know, this this guy's not too very good. Um, I know, obviously, you did mention the thing about the pass rush. If you want to talk about that for a little bit. And also, the Saints aren't a very good, statistically, run defense team. Does that kind of have to play in, in the same role there? Yeah, that's the weird thing about the Saints. They they went from being a dominant team with pretty much the same personnel in the the front seven uh, to being a, a terrible run defense team. And, and the thing that they are actually probably the weakest at is defending the quarterback run, which doesn't really make me happy watching Tommy DeVito on Monday Night Football. Uh, and it's not mobile quarterback. I mean, mobile quarterbacks, of course, but not mobile quarterbacks too. Tyler Bajent ran for like 75 yards against the Saints defense because, you know, it's one thing when your your team rushes the passer and they get a lot of sacks, but sometimes the guy slips out and runs. Saints defense have this cool thing where they don't sack the quarterback, but they pressure him and he runs for 20 yards. They never sack them. <laughs> they so it's fun. Them. It's a, no, yeah, they don't contain them. They don't, they don't, but they, they, they rush to contain, but they don't contain or rush. And that's kind of what I'm saying with the secondary is this year, the secondary's had a good amount of interceptions. Uh, they, 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 I think there are three Saints in the top 10 in passes defensed in the NFL this year. Like the Saints DBs are are doing amazing work just because they would be doing so much better if they had some semblance of a pass rush. And just to preview the game with the Giants, Cam Jordan, uh, his ankle is really messed up. He's only been dead, he's only been in the game on rushing uh downs so cam jordan the the hall of fame defensive end he's only in there to play run defense he comes out on third down and the saints had uh giants legend jason pierre paul on the team for one game and then he went to the dolphins and uh because the saints didn't elevate him 
from the practice squad and the Dolphins haven't played him. And the Saints are like, we don't have any defensive ends. But Jason Pierre Paul was happy to peace out with whatever he had left on the I'm a USF fan. I can make Jason Pierre Paul fireworks jokes. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um moving further into to game preview. Um what are some of the top matchups you're looking at in this game? Well, I, I, I think the number one thing to me is Tommy DeVito uh, and whether he can escape the pocket. And I think he will be able to, but I, I think that's a thing. Look, he ran for what? 70 something yards against the Packers on Monday Night football. Right. I mean, the saints gave up that much to Bajant. Uh, who I don't, I, I don't think is as mobile as DeVito or as De, DeVito's got a smart thing of if his read's not there, he takes off. Uh, Bajent, I think, just ran out of survival instincts. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think they have different sensibilities to an extent from watching a couple of games. They've only played a few games each, so I'm just. I think DeVito's got a little more savvy, to my sense. Um, look, I, 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 the Saints have this weird combination on defense of missing sacks and then letting the guy run for 20 yards, which is kind of bizarre. It's like you, you got to get one or the – you get the sacks, you're great. You let him, you, you miss a sack and he runs, that's fine, as long as you don't let him do it on every play. So that's a big thing to me. If DeVito's running wild, I think the Giants win this game handily. That that being said, another matchup is, I don't think the Giants have any receivers that the Saints secondary is worried about. I think they're pretty much like, yeah, we could, we could cover. So I would, I mean, I would tend to agree. Like there's no, there's no game breaking talent. Um, supposedly Darren Waller is going to be back for this game. I don't think he's going to be at a hundred percent. But hi, I mean, he wasn't utilized a lot last game. Wandale Robinson was, but I don't know how much he actually puts fear because I mean, Green Bay's secondary was actually playing well up to the point of facing us um, with the injury to Jair Alexander though I do think that New Orleans secondary is better. Um, and going on to your point about DeVito running and, and Tyson Bajan as well, is you guys kind of caught him, and I'm speaking, of course, of the unbiased, you guys caught him at a really bad time because Patriots game, Commanders game, some of these other games that he played, and he was taking so many sacks, it's not even funny. Against Green Bay, to about you know a week with the bye, before that, the Patriots game. He, in the Packers game, was so slippery in the pocket, that's where he got a lot of his yardage from. Just, you know, taking off and running, being elusive in the pocket, and not even just juking guys out, but just getting out of the pocket and avoiding sacks. Because if you're telling me that the Saints miss sacks a lot, um, they're gonna they're gonna have a, a little bit of a tough day against Tommy DeVito. At least, you know, unless Tommy DeVito reverts back to his uh his earlier form, uh, which would be again for the for the Saints favor. And for X Factors. Uh, one on offense, one on defense for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, on offense, uh, I'll say Taysom Hill. 
it, Taysom Hill is a, a full go, apparently, for this game. Uh, he can pass the ball. He can run the ball. He can play special teams. Uh, something he'll do will be unaccounted for by the defense. I, I don't I I can't claim to know what. He might run a route and catch a 50-yard pass. He might run for 50 yards. He might be the up back on a punt and fake a punt. Um he is an X factor. He 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 really is. Uh I know that's it's a cheat code, but I mean it's true. It's, just, it's a Saints cheat code, right? <laughs> Taysom Hill. Anyone anyone could get Taysom Hill. Uh, although there isn't, there is only one Taysom Hill. <laughs> in, in fairness, uh, so I, I would say him on offense. On defense, I would say the um, uh, I, I don't want to be cliche, but okay, I'll I'll say Pete Warner, linebacker okay. number twenty for the Saints, will be the X factor. Because I don't think they'll have Demario Davis like manning up Devito, but they might do something with Pete Warner where it's his responsibility. Um, and frankly, I will say one of the problems with the Saints' run defense that I've had, aside from quarterback runs, which have been unbelievably frustrating, is setting the edges, which used to be, I mean, Cam Jordan, that's the reason he's on a busted ankle still playing because he can set an edge. Although, you know, it's been a little weaker lately. Uh, I think think Pete Warner, X factor, good or bad for the saints will be how he holds up on these edges as the other linebacker outside of uh, the, the should be hall of famer, Demario Davis, Uh, Pete Warner, you know, the way he plays, his speed varies. <laughs> and uh, and you something saying, to watch. Yeah, definitely. He's, it seems like he's one of the more speedier linebackers in that core where Davis is more of just, you know, the Mike type of guy. But um, one player on offense and one player on defense on the Giants that strikes fear in you as a Saints fan in terms of evaluating the game. Evaluating the game, I would say Waller, Darren Waller strikes fear because the Saints, the way they have had struggles defending the run and defending the mobile passer, has allowed the tight end who stayed in the block leak out wide open quite a bit. Uh, Laporta had a huge game against the Saints. Uh, The Saints, historically, the past few years have been just tight ends are gone they don't exist against the saints um it's only been i don't know since like week five of this year that the saints have allowed tight ends to actually play football against them gronkowski never did anything against saints when he was on the bucks uh even going back to earlier this week earlier this season but the way they have collapsed against quarterbacks Tight ends, uh, TJ Hawkinson just went crazy against the Saints. So Waller, if he's healthy, and look, the the last time 
maybe the last time Waller played against the Saints was uh, the Raiders game back in 2021. That was pretty bad. <laughs> so, 2020, maybe. But, yeah, that was pretty bad, too. He he destroyed us. Uh, so, yeah, I think Waller is the scariest offensive player. And uh, Thibodeau is the scariest guy on defense because uh, our right tackle, Ryan Ramchek, is questionable to play. So I'm pretty sure things could go badly really quickly. If <laughs> I think Ramchick will play, but if he doesn't, things could get ugly really quickly. And uh, just line Thibodeau over there <laughs> on the right tackle. And uh, yeah, they'll get ugly really quickly. So maybe those are, are, are obvious picks, but. Yeah. I mean, I listen, whether they're obvious or not, they're a part of the game. As long as they're actual, you know, X factors, it's not a problem. Those two are legitimate X factors. But... They're both questionable too, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Thibodeau is going to play yeah. uh, Waller's questionable. Uh, Dexter Lawrence is questionable. That was the other guy who debated to be the Dex, X factor. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's dealing with a little bit of a, a bit of a hammy. He'll, but he he'll was, play. He was pretty good. He was pretty solid against uh, the Packers interior. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. He'll, he'll probably destroy the Saints interior as well. Caesar Ruiz is is hot garbage. <laughs> the right now guard. <laughs> now I know what to look for come Sunday. But uh, lastly, Jeff, where can people find you? What you do in your work? Uh yeah. Look on. Um, uh, hey, hey, go to go to go to YouTube and uh, look up uh, Jeff Bacalino. I've got a lot of fun stuff. Uh, I, I, I don't do a lot of sports there. I do a lot of drunk material there, uh, but it, it's fun. And, uh, my Mike McDaniels rant, uh, was, was kind of popping off a little bit on there. So there, there, <laughs> uh, so, so go there and, uh, the Jeff Magalino podcast, anywhere you find podcasts, I, I have fun, uh, fun, uh, interviews with people of all sorts and uh you know they'll find one you'll like if you like podcasts of course but once again we appreciate jeff coming on given the saints perspective of things very pessimistic i might add but who knows the way the giants play the saints will come up with a win or the saints will play like they have been and the giants will come up with a win uh who the hell knows uh, i guess we'll see the results come on sunday but guys check his stuff out also like comment subscribe for this channel turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops or drops appreciate you guys coming back and we will talk to you next time